Good morning. Um, we are going to be reading from Jeremiah 17 this morning. If you would like to find that in your Bibles. Um, and stand, if you would, for the reading. We're going to start in verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness on the salty flats where no one lives. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they go right on producing delicious fruit. The human heart is most deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I know, I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Um, for my friends in elementary school or any older friends who like to color, on the back counter there's a really cool picture of a tree that you can color like I invite you to get up and go get one you will not bother me I live in chaos <laughs> and if at any point you need to go get more colored pencils or probably just one sucker so we're not crazy but go for it and any grown-ups you're welcome to color we're going to need these later okay and there's one on the front and one on the back so you can choose which one you want to do Excellent. No grown-ups are going. Okay. If you have a child that you need to grab one for you, so you're not embarrassed, you can do that too. We need a bigger pulpit. I need more space. All right, but don't talk really loud because I'm going to keep going. So Jeremiah was a prophet of God to the people of Judah. And we learned about him last week. Yeah, they're just not going to stop talking. Shh. Yeah. There you go. Just whisper. They're so excited. Um, so last week, Jake talked about Jeremiah's calling. He was young, and he questioned his calling. And God touched his lips and told him that he would put the words in his mouth that he was to share with the people. We were reminded last week that God doesn't choose people who are fully prepared to do his work. Rather, he helps us along as we go, and he equips us. And we're all called to do God's work. Well, Jeremiah was given the task to tell God's people that they were going to lose everything, their land, their homes, many of their possessions, because they had not followed God and they had worshipped other gods and trusted in other militaries to help them, and they had worshipped other idols. Well, this task broke Jeremiah's heart because it was his people. It wasn't just a message he was giving to someone else. This was his family and his people that um, were going to be hurting. Throughout the book, though, we see Jeremiah boldly proclaiming God's message to the people. He was given the words to speak and the courage to speak them, just as God said he would. In our text today, there's three sections that we're going to look at. Um, the first, that we should not put our trust in people and turn from the Lord. The second, 
the Lord blesses those who trust in him. And the third, the Lord searches our hearts and knows the truth about our motivations. So, um, first, we should not put our trust in people and turn from the Lord. Um, we have a picture, I think, of the desert. Maybe. It wasn't working. Do we have? There it is. Cool. I don't know where that is. It's supposed to be, we had a technical difficulty. Um, I brought photos from our trip to northern Arizona, where my husband is from. Um, but this one looks pretty similar. So we see that there's not a lot of greenery. There's some shrubs, but they're not, like, really growing very well. This is what the desert is like. Um, there's not a lot that grows in the desert, and the shrubs and plants that grow are fairly prickly and uninviting, especially the cactus. But all the plants, if you haven't been to the desert, all of them are, like, prickly, and they're so proud <laughs> that they have stuff growing, but it's, it's not the same. Even the grass is prickly, but they're so excited, those desert people. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Sorry. I, I just remember my first trip to Arizona. He's like, but there's grass too. And I'm like, yeah, but it's brown. It's not grass. Anyways, um, in this passage, we see those who trust in humans and turn away from the Lord are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They live in a barren wilderness on the salty flats where no one lives. This doesn't look like something that I want to embrace, a barren wilderness where no one lives. It doesn't sound very inviting. It doesn't sound like something that I want to be what describes my life. Perhaps a wilderness is a place where we'd like to visit. After all, we hear that Jesus went to the wilderness many times, but he didn't stay there. He went to the wilderness and then he came back. Not much life can be sustained in the desert. This is what life was becoming like for the Israelites as they trusted in false gods and in military alliances instead of God. Their lives had become barren. Now, most of us wouldn't choose to not follow God. Most of us here would say, yes, we're following God. We're not going to say, nope, not going to follow God. It, it happens, but probably most of us aren't going to choose that. However, when we put our trust in people ahead of our trust in God, it can be dangerous. I wonder when you're faced with a problem or a frustration, who do you go to first? Who said that? You do? Good. My kid. <laughs> I think a lot of times, though, we turn to a friend or a spouse or maybe even Facebook before we turn to God because it's easier sometimes to talk to someone that talks back to us. We get tangible answers and opinions when we do that. Talking with God takes a little bit more patience and more discernment. We don't always clearly hear the voice of God when we ask for his help. It can be difficult and frustrating as we wait for an answer from God. The New American Standard Version, uh, this verse, it says, um, where'd it go? Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength. To me, this includes trusting in yourself and using your own power and your own wisdom and your own smarts and things that you can do on your own to power through. Um, Matthew, I'm going to jump over to Matthew. Jesus talks about, um, well, he's teaching in this passage, and he says in Matthew 6, I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? 
Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. This is a beautiful example of how the Lord cares for all of his creation. We're so much more important to God than birds and flowers. He forms them in beauty and has given them instincts to survive and to thrive. How much more will he care for us? We ought to do our best to not be consumed with worry about everything, but to rest with our creator God who is redeeming us and bringing us back to him. When you put all your trust in humans and people who will fail you and in yourself, your life begins to look like this desert. There is some life, but it's mostly deprived and desolate. Now, it's good to have a friend and someone who can listen to you and advise you. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, we should turn to God. We see in verse 7 of Jeremiah that the Lord blesses those who trust in him and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Okay, now we have another picture. This tree is alive and thriving. It's planted right next to some water. It has roots that go down deep into the soil. Roots have a lot of responsibility. They provide balance and foundation for the tree. They absorb moisture and nourishment. The tree roots are substantial. They can be two to three times the diameter of the top of the tree. Have you ever been working in your garden and you go to pull up a little weed and you grab it and it doesn't come out, so you get a little bit tighter grip and you pull on it, and out comes this long root when the weed was only, you know, pretty small. Has that ever happened? This is the kind of roots that God wants us to have, roots that go down deep and that aren't easily pulled out. Um, okay, kids, how are we doing on our pictures? You're doing slow. That's good. Oh, there, that one's good and colorful. Good. Anyone else? Hold them up. Jalen's looks good. Yeah, okay. So fill them with lots of color. Make them look like this, but more colorful. In, um, in the New Testament, Paul prays for the church in Ephesus that they would have faith with roots that go down deep into the love of God so that they would be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is all about understanding that God's love goes before us. His love is constant no matter what we do. Whether there's bad things we might participate in or good things that we refuse to participate in because it's not comfortable. God's love is always with us. When we really understand this love of God and are rooted in it, when we slurp it up like we're so thirsty, we're different people. His love flows through us. We can choose to be planted in God's love and truth and continue to grow throughout life. We don't have to plant ourselves in the desert that's dry. We can plant ourselves next to the river like this. So how can we grow deeper roots? I don't really think it's that complicated. Get to know God better, more intimately, by reading his word, talking with him, listening to him, meditating on his words and his laws, spending time with people who can encourage you in your faith. This is how we grow deeper roots. Now, I'm going to be honest. Let's talk about the sometimes daunting task of reading the Bible. I... I know some of you have, are great at it. You read the Bible 
regularly, whether that's every day or just on a regular basis. But I'm going to guess that some of us have trouble with it because I have had trouble with it. And your, your pastor always says, read the Bible, it's great, you'll love it. And you go home and you're really excited and you open it up and you're like, man, this is a lot to take in. This, this Bible, it's a big book. It's a lot of words and they're little and it's a lot. <laughs> it's translated from Greek and Hebrew. It's written by people thousands of years ago that lived in a completely different culture we lived in. Sometimes things get lost in translation and we don't know what some things mean. Sometimes there's weird stories that we just laugh at because they're awkward. Um, we're not going to talk about those because I'm preaching and I don't like awkward things. But there's some things that we just read and we're like, what in the world does this mean? Well, a few years ago, I was struggling to read the Bible on any regular basis. And eventually I just did it. I committed to read every day for a week or so. And as I was reading, one day something stuck out to me that was encouraging. It was something about light. And a light is something that gives us warmth and comfort. And it guides us. And then there's the metaphor of being the light of Jesus. Well, I thought about that all day. And then someone sent me a devotion that was about the light. And then there was a song about the light. And it's my last name. But it was a different kind of light. But I just kept thinking about it all day long. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, bringing us, bringing us back to this word and bringing us along throughout our day and bringing us closer to God. This little nugget stuck with me all day and sustained me. Then I was intrigued. I wanted to read more. And I pretty soon I was reading something in the Old Testament that reminded me of something in the New Testament. Then I read something in a book that helped me to understand that a little bit better. And then I figured out that God has always, since the very beginning of time, been working to redeem us and to bring us back to him. And I was hooked. And I'm like, this is great. And there's still some times that I read something and I don't get it. And I text Jake and I say, what does this mean? Or it's someone else. But it's good. And the word of God it is not out of date. It is not meaningless for us. It has very much meaning and power for us. Well, this whole analogy of a tree is that in the midst of a drought, when the sun is beating down, the tree doesn't wither up and die. It continues to thrive and to produce fruit. The more we know God and love God, the better prepared we are when life gets tough. Um, when you set a New Year's resolution to lose, like, a certain amount of pounds or you sign up to run a race, you, you get a plan, right? You start doing something. You have a schedule, and you follow it every day. Um, in October, several of us ran the Kansas City Half Marathon, Team World Vision, whoop, whoop. And I'm not going to do that again. Just, I won't. My feet really hurt still, so... <laughs> They do. Anyways, that's not the point. The point is, we had a training schedule, and every day we would train and run and follow the number of miles that Wendy said we had to run. Just kidding. And um, it, was, it was a roller coaster. There were days that I loved it, and there were days I hated it. And there were days that the food I had eaten made it so that I couldn't run. And there were days it was so hot that I couldn't run. And there were days that were great, and I would run several miles and feel good. And eventually I learned that I could do it. I wonder if we could look at 
our relationship with God in this way, as training, something that we need to do when we're feeling good so that when we're not feeling good, we have that to rely on. I wonder if that's a way we could look at this. When we encounter difficulties at our workplace, when our marriage is rocky, when kids aren't nice at school, when we lose a friend or we're in financial trouble, during these times we can have a firm foundation, solid roots that support us. We shouldn't only turn to God when we need help, when we need something. Now, being close to God doesn't mean we won't have trouble. We will. But I've learned that it helps a little bit to have God to stand next to you and to be walking with you. Earlier, I mentioned that Jesus, who is fully God, fully human, took time away to be from being with people to talk with God. In Luke, we see this pattern of him teaching and healing people, and then he would retreat to the wilderness, and then he would come back and teach and then retreat again to pray. Um, Jesus knew it was important to be rooted and rested. He needed to connect with the Father. So I encourage you to take a look at your practices. If you don't have time scheduled to read the Bible, it's okay. But maybe you can, maybe we can challenge you to do that. Maybe you can commit a certain time each day to read God's word just for a week and see what happens. I don't think you'll regret it. God's word is living and active. It matters and has the power to make an impact in our lives. You know, we can't just be better followers of Christ and lead people to Jesus and do good things just by listening to a message on Sunday. We have to invest in it ourselves. And our last point is the Lord alone knows our hearts. Um, Verse 9 of Jeremiah 17 says, The human heart is most deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I know, I the Lord search all hearts and examine secret motives. It's really easy to hide and pretend when we're at church or work or school. Sometimes we try really hard to present the best version of ourselves say the right things, we pray the right way, we bribe our kids on the way to church so that they'll behave well. Sometimes we dress to fit the part. We can control the version of ourselves that the world sees, but at some point the facade is going to break down, and that's messy. It's really better to be honest and allow people to see who we really are. People often tell me that I'm patient. I don't know why. Right? I have, oh, if you don't know me, I have five kids, and they're wonderful, and four of them are in here, and four of them are boys, and boys are rowdy. And so people, people will say, oh, you're so patient. I don't know how you do it. And some, oh, he's shaking his head. Exactly. That's my point. Exactly. I am patient, but sometimes you have to do what I want you to do right now. That's how it is sometimes. And I'm not patient, am I? Oh, man. Not always. Even he's not mine and he knows. Oh, man. But, you know, this is the facade that I put on. I want my kids to be good at church and I want them to behave and I don't want them to run around and be crazy when all of you are seeing them because I want you to think that we have it all together. And guess what? We don't have it all together. There are times when it's crazy and when we're seeing just 
put on your shoes and get out the door. Just brush your teeth and don't forget your trombone and all of this stuff. I'm not always patient, but I'm working on it. I encourage you to allow people to see who you really are. Find someone that you can connect with, that you can be real with, that you can be vulnerable with. We do need friends and mentors. We need people who will talk with us and walk with us on our journey. We don't want to be by ourselves. You need someone to lean on. Turn to God first and then grab a friend and walk together. It's easier to live as an honest mess than as a picture of perfection that's fake. If we look at Psalm 139 really quick, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Could we be so brave for this to be our honest prayer to God? Point out anything in me that offends you? This implies also that we must listen to God's reply and be willing to change any secret motives or dishonest ways. Would you be so vulnerable with God and allow him to nudge you and tell you about any impurities that might be in your heart? God wants us to know him and walk with him. This isn't a prosperity gospel that you do what's right and God blesses you. This life is filled with joy, though, as we walk with God. It's we're rooted in God's love. We're not overwhelmed by despair, but we have this root that grows deep within us of the love of God that brings out joy in our lives. We need nourishment. We need to reach down into the depths of God's love and be filled with goodness and joy. It's not a shallow happiness. It's a joy and a love that's rooted in the sacrificial love of Christ. Let's pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life, God. Lord, this is our prayer. Would you search us? Would you speak to us? Would you reveal anything that needs to be uncovered? Would you help us? As we navigate that, help us to confess, even now as we sit, we confess that we are not perfect, that we pretend sometimes that we have it all together, but God, we want to be real. We want to show our real selves to our family and our friends. Would you root us deep in your love so that we can be strong? so that we can share your love with those around us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.